2: This is Bloomberg Business of Sports.
3: Sports is business. And whenever you are procuring talent, you must start with a criteria. Being
1: owners of this league and wanting our league to be the best in the world, how do we make it better? The
3: valuations are getting so high, the list of people who could purchase a team is getting really short.
1: We have eight
4: strategic investment areas when you look at the world of sports. The
3: NBA's already in 210 countries around the world.
4: NFL is an amazing thing for the sports betting industry. We have the World Cup coming in 2026
3: to North America.
2: Hey, if I get a million dollars we're going to a school, Trust me, I'll be there.
3: Bloomberg Business of Sports, from Bloomberg Radio.
2: This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. Damien will be back next week. Coming up on the show today, we're talking AI. We'll talk with the co-founder and CEO of ON, an artificial intelligence platform that's finding new ways to engage with fans.
3: The first thing we had to really identify as a company, and this was very important because the business of sports can be um, intimidating or or hard for a startup to break into, is that each of these teams is unique. Their brand is special. Um, Whether you're a a new team on the block, um, a recently developed team, a smaller team, or somebody like the Yankees, one of our clients, The brand has been crafted.
2: We'll also check in with former NFL pro and friend of the show, Joe Theismann, as we inch closer and closer to the big game.
5: Right now, there's a menu of things you can and cannot challenge. I think they ought to throw the menu out, start over, and do exactly what you need to do. Allow the opportunity to correct the egregious errors that we've seen. And, And they've been obvious.
2: That's on the way on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. But first... This week, Netflix became the latest streamer to make a big splash in sports.
4: Netflix struck a $5 billion, 10 year deal with the WWE to get the exclusive rights to Raw, SmackDown, among other programs. That adds three hours of live wrestling to the platform starting in
2: 2025. Ooh, Lordy. To take us through the deal, we welcome Bloomberg's Kim Bassine. Welcome to the what? Bloomberg business of sports, old friend. What's offering. up,
4: y'all? Yo. How you doing?
2: My goodness, man. It's like streaming, streaming and stream and stream and stream and now we got another thing of a big sporting event and it's a lot of money for Netflix to shell out will they see a profit by
0: it? look everyone wants in on live sports right live sports live entertainment live events WWE is somewhere in the middle there <laughs> they, yeah it's, it's scripted content right but it's it's still it's still it's still live and what this signals though is that is that Netflix might be coming for more sports, right? And it feels like every time that there's like a a big sports league rights deal coming up that, you hear that Netflix and Amazon are are rumored to be involved, rumored to be interested, rumored to be opening discussions or, or whatever it is. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more of that. And if they're willing to spend the money for it, like this is possible.
4: Five billion dollars over 10 years is quite the number to come out with initially right out of the gate. You cover celebrities and athletes. And as much as this deal is about Netflix getting live streaming rights to WWE uh, performances or shows, because they're not really competitions because it's all scripted. It's as much about Dwayne The Rock Johnson and uh, the elevation of The Rock at TKO, the company that owns WWE, isn't oh, it? Oh,
0: The Rock's always elevating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so Dwayne Johnson's joining the board of TKO. That is WWE's parent company uh, created when they merged with uh, UFC. So he's he's been granted as part of this, like, ownership of his stage name, The Rock, And all of the associated trademarks, you know, catchphrases and and things like that. Now, WWE really holds tightly to its intellectual property. If you're a wrestler coming up in the system and you develop a character with them, they will register the trademark for the character's name. They've always owned uh, the the Rock IP. His name is not. The Rock. His name, his name is Dwayne Johnson. All this
2: time, I thought it was The Rock. By the way.
0: But, but for, for Dwayne now, this, this is, this is a kind of a brilliant move here. So he's getting the, the rights to his name, and then he's going to license it back
4: oh, to
0: WWE genius. for up to 10 years. As part of that deal, he'll provide promotional services for the company, and he will get paid about $30 million in stock.
2: And that's set to pay out through 2024. For two words, The Rock, and you get a whole fistful of dollars, which now you'll see Raw on Netflix in the U.S., but also in Canada, Latin America, and other international markets. And like you said, Scar and Kim, in 2025, that's a big doggone deal.
0: Earlier, he was... uh getting paid royalties annually. Uh, they put his name and likeness on, on merchandise, right? Uh, so he would make appearances on WWE shows and will get a cut of these merchandise sales. And he made about $500,000 a year hmm. uh, from that. And he'll keep receiving those payments going forward also. But that, that 30 mil... <laughs> in in stock is a great deal for, for Dwayne Jobs. It
4: is. You mentioned some of uh, The Rock's catchphrases. Uh, Michael Barr, I don't know how many of these you know. If you smell what The Rock is cooking, it doesn't matter what you think. Know your role and shut your mouth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Mrs. Barr tells me that all the time. So this man. is now
4: going to be on the promotional material that WWE uh, features, and that'll be shown on Netflix, and The Rock will get paid each time this shows up.
0: Yeah, it always has been like because they 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 owned these these trademarks before, but now just uh, just because he's licensing it back to them, it's they formalized. Can, they can still use everything. Like this stuff is all on, on a bunch of merchandise and, and things that they sell. We'll get to experience if you smell what the rock is cooking, <laughs> constantly, from here forth.
2: Well, I want to like trademark a new name i'll call me the uh the mold that's what i'll call the mold no 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 no, the mold mold. that'd be great because i grow all over (laughs) on everybody Ah. (laughs) you you put a lot of thought into this all right anyway (laughs) this are we now just done you know because now the comcast contract ends very soon are we just now simply in a streaming world when we watch something
0: this seems like the very, very beginning. Like the 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 biggest deal in sports is always the NFL, right? Are we ever gonna see that that move over? The NFL tends to be late on new things because everything works so well already. Uh, so so why <laughs> risk it? Um, the the fascinating thing here about WWE is that their viewers are extremely loyal, and it, it is a scripted show, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also live, and that's what is super interesting about it. People who follow WWE they watch every single show. If you if you watch everything that WWE does, that's several days a week. On Monday, you're watching Raw. On Tuesday, you're watching NXT. On Friday, you're watching SmackDown. That's like six hours. It's so much programming every single week and people have to follow it. It's like these characters. It's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. And these characters all live in the same universe. Right? Mm-hmm. So imagine keeping track of them all. It's like if like the story of Game of Thrones just never ended and it just kept going and going and going for 30 years.
4: Like, but there's a live element to it too, which keeps it somewhat unpredictable as much as there's a storyline that's hashed out in advance. Kim, uh, we were just talking in the break that you are now the new adjunct professor at the NYU Stern School of Business. <laughs> applause, applause. And you teach a course called Business and Society. What does the fact that WWE, counting as live sports, Netflix making a big bet on it, tell us about business and society. How would you frame this to your class?
0: When you're looking at how streaming interacts with people, we're consuming things in a different way now, right? Uh, and is is this good or bad for that relationship with you and your screen? I'm not entirely sure how <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what the answer to that is. But the questions you want to ask are, as we find different ways to... To consume things and as things are pushed in front of us what is the the consequence of watching these shows so so deeply and intensely right like like we just said there's so much programming every single week. You're bombarded with so many different things in so many different categories at sports and, and movies and shows. And if you go on a Netflix right now and just scroll through the thing, you're, there's no way you could watch everything. You have to make a decision then you commit to, f- you know, five seasons of <laughs> some show that you haven't had and then you're sitting there watching it. So th- those are the questions we need to be asking. Even with, with a live event like this, because it's episodic, like you're, you're watching it just all the time.
2: Comcast, cable in general, I know they're thinking, oh man, We've lost another one. And and, <laughs> and it keeps going and it keeps going. It, I remember when free TV was like, no, there's no way in the world someone's going to pay to watch television. And then not only that, then we get satellite dishes and all this and going on. One day, it's going to come down to so many streaming services. I wonder if it's going to go back to a bundle.
0: So you're not paying 16 different companies 9.99 a month. Yeah,
4: enough. yeah. The history of media is about bundling and unbundling and bundling again. Yeah. Um, one question I have for you: when it comes to live sports, um, and again, WWE may or may not be live sports. Commercial breaks are built into it, right? Like people don't perform all the way straight through for an hour, and I would assume that that's the case with live wrestling as well. Does that mean that WWE will only be available to Netflix? Uh, subscribers through the ad tier, that even if you pay up for the premium tier, you're going to have to sit through commercials to watch WWE.
0: Let's do some wrestling nerd stuff right now. Okay, okay? please. So, do you know what happens <laughs> during a commercial in
2: WWE?
4: No, but we don't watch. Do you watch?
2: I, My son, my oldest uh, son, okay. loves it, but I, I am not. I go back to Bobo Brazil in Look that up, folks. On oh, yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know how old that is, yeah. Uh, so, like, in
0: the arena, if there is a commercial going on, there's, there's still wrestling. Like, stuff is still happening live. They've organized something to fill that time. That'll normally be, like, a very long headlock, you know? So, he <laughs> just... The, <laughs> they're resting all right <laughs> if, if if you're if you're doing intense physical activity for like 20 minutes you need to rest in the middle of it and that's that's when they do it There's A still very stuff long going headlock. On. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so th- that's still gonna they're gonna integrate that more without ads like on Netflix so that dead time normally uh-huh. uh they will have to continue to uh produce
4: <laughs> but the people they're, who are watching it, while going. the people who are watching through Netflix's ad tier will get the commercials rather than the very long headlock.
0: But they've always done that. Like in, <laughs> oh. in, in the arena, uh, the wrestler will, will come out to, to his music, um, come down to the ring, start like firing up the fans and everything and a commercial break. And then they stand there for two minutes until <laughs> the end of the break. <laughs> Let's come back on. And he's back. He's back at it with the crowd. Interesting. Oh,
2: man. It, now, I, we should explain, too. Now, if you are already a Netflix subscriber, I don't think you have to pay extra for this, do you? I don't think so.
4: No, it's an all in one price, right? I mean, you can access everything unless they decide to add premium tiers. But that's not what's happening right now. It's just that the advertising tier works really well if Netflix is going to get into sports in a big way.
0: Like uh, on Peacock, the entire WWE archive is over on NBC Universal's Peacock service, mm-hmm. um, and that's where they house all the the entire catalog of wrestling stuff, which is thousands and thousands of days, thousands of days worth of.
4: <laughs> Fun and enjoyment and headlocks. It's going
0: all the way back, like 50 years. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: good- well, this gorgeous, George. That's another. I'm telling you, I'm making some old <laughs> references here. Kim Basine of Bloomberg News. You are the man. You cover celebrities and athletes. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Coming up, we turn to AI in sports, the co-founder and CEO of On, Alex Beckton. That's straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at
4: Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scarlet Fu. Damien Sassauer will be back next week.
4: Let's talk about artificial intelligence, Michael, because AI is sweeping through industries and sports is no exception. One company, On, is focusing on bolstering the relationship between fans and the teams they love through its AI chat platform.
2: And On already has some deals in place with the New York Yankees, Jacksonville Jaguars, and more. Here to talk to us about what the platform is doing is On co-founder and CEO, Alex Beckman. Alex! Alex! Hello! Welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports.
3: Hi, good to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Now, you've got very smart Scarlett Foo and stupid old man Michael Barr, because when I think of AI, the only thing I think about, well, they could alter the voice and maybe put a face on it, and there you go, AI. But (laughs) that doesn't even scratch the surface of what AI has with the impact of sports in general.
3: Yeah, I think we're seeing actually um, that there are a lot of folks who um, share what I would consider to be what you just called kind of your understanding of AI. Um, AI is complex. Um, it's years in the making. Uh, we've all seen it in science fiction novels for a long time. A lot of folks rediscovered it when ChatGPT burst on the scene, and we see a lot of sports clubs, teams, leagues trying to figure out What does it mean for them? What can they do with AI? What should they do with AI? And that's been a really fun journey to be on with them, Um, given our experience in the space. You know, we're 10 years old. I've been working in the space myself for my entire career. And so it's an exciting time with a lot of answers still to come, but a lot of really great stories and data already emerging out of last year.
4: So on works with brands, you work with companies from uh, Coca-Cola to Samsung to eBay, and also with sports teams, which are brands unto themselves. And I'm curious to hear how these different sports teams um, use the AI experience to reflect their specific brand. Uh, You count the New York Yankees and the Jacksonville Jaguars as your clients, along with being in different sports and in different cities. Each is distinct in terms of their brand. So can you give us a sense of the feel or the interaction of the chatbot that your firm creates uh, for each brand and how that is experienced by fans?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question and happy to dig into it. I I think the first thing we had to really identify as a company, and this was very important because the business of sports can be um, intimidating or, or hard for a starter to break into, is that each of these teams is unique. Their brand is special. Um, Whether you're a a new team on the block, um, a recently developed team, a smaller team, or somebody like the Yankees, one of our clients, the brand has been crafted. um, And no one size fits all approach will work. And so one of the difficulties that any technology company faces is how do you do something that is personalized and really, really special and brand specific, but also at scale so that you can survive as a company. And so um, in our platform, we have built in, and this is part of the way that we use AI, the ability to quickly become really brand sensitive to what our clients need. Um, some clients need, to help, have, need help selling tickets. And we have really great ticket intelligence and business intelligence around tickets that we can use AI to bring to the fore, to let the people that need to know at the organization know data that would be hard to know without us, Mm -hmm. So they can make really good decisions. And the chatbots behave automatically. They're 24-7, 365, always on, which is also how fans are. Um, I I imagine that, you know, I I woke up the other morning at uh, 5.30 and saw that Ertz had been picked up by the Lions Mm -hmm. and instantly wanted to go look into what's going on there, what happened, what was the story. And um, that's an important place to be able to engage with your fans and really pick up that information and deliver it to them. Those are different types of examples.
2: Yeah when, yeah, when we got Ertz, I, I was looking into that, too. It's like, okay, what <laughs> happened here? Right. Yeah. It's, right. And that's the thing about AI. It, it, I think the, the concept, uh, again, and it is way more complex than, than what we think, but what it comes down to, and this is why you are providing your product to the sports teams, uh, is simply gem- generating revenue, and it's something you touched off on mm-hmm. earlier. Can you go more into that?
3: yeah uh, uh, picking up on the Earth's example and then expanding into some others um sports fans are really really demanding and they should be (laughs) right as ticket prices go up as um we have to we have to buy more and more services to watch the games i think it's fair for every sports fan to expect a lot and sports ownership is getting harder and harder um it's harder to buy in the teams are getting more expensive yeah staying competitive every year and so we have two very demanding audiences and so um when I see that, I think there's an opportunity to solve a problem. How, how do you make both sides happy? Very hard, but if you can do it, very lucrative. Um, AI comes into play kind of like this. Um, some fans wake up in the morning and want to know everything about Ertz and the rules around how many players a team can pick up in the postseason and all of those things. And some fans wake up and they just want to be ready to go to work and not sound dumb. They want to be water cooler ready. What's mm-hmm. really hard for any company to do, especially a sports team that's got so many different business models, they need to feel the competitive product on on the field or on the court and also do all the other business aspects of running a stadium and selling tickets, et cetera is stay competitive in that media landscape, that 24-7, 365 connected content world. And in the past, Facebook and Twitter, Meta and and X have done this for them, but now the opportunity is there. Tech companies like us are emerging that are allowing them to do this. But what I think is really special and important is, it's not every fan, it's how do you deliver the right content to the right fan at the right time? All of the content exists where AI comes into play is helping to determine who is this fan. Are they a front row courtside fan, like um, E40 of the Warriors? Mm-hmm. Or are they somebody who's a longtime season ticket holder that's spending everything but their rent money on tickets? And you want to make sure each of those fans has the right experience. One, you might upsell. One, you might do nothing but give opportunities to to reward them as a loyal fan. What we can do is what would be really hard to have anyone else do or software do, which is at scale determine very specifically what's going on in the world of the fan And chat is a really, really important part of this because AI on its own doesn't do anything. AI would combine with other services is able to accomplish goals that sports teams and sports fans have. And that's that's a big part of this mission is educating the world about that possibility.
4: So Michael Barr and I both were talking about how we really dislike dealing with chatbots when given the option. And I know that we're generalizing here because you're talking about different kinds of fans and the levels of engagement they have. But overall, do sports fans like engaging with chatbots or are they kind of agnostic as long as they get the information that they need?
3: Uh, The reason I started this company is that I am like you and Michael and that I think chatbots have earned their bad name. They, They specifically have done things that are very business heavy. They have been unhelpful. Sometimes they're dumb, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're not smart enough to really engage. And obviously our goal at the company has been to change that and put a, a new sort of um, spin on what can a chatbot be. Now that said, um, you know, while I will always work hard and feel like we have more wood to chop, I do think we're doing that. And we, we have some amazing data from last year. If we look at kind of all of our sports clients, we see that, you know, one franchise generated $33,000 in revenue from premium seeding just from the chat experience that they have live with us. Um, We have teams seeing, you know, anywhere in the neighborhood of 170% ROI on their 2023 contract value. So the chatbot is working for the business folks, but more importantly, looking at just recently, when Joel Embiid went off for 70 points, um, the 76ers were a client of ours. And we saw a huge spike from fans in ticketing inquiries that night. 40% of fans chatting wanted to know how do they get to the next game? Mm. And, Um, that's, that's over, you know, it's an increase of a major amount from previous experiences, previous nights out for them. And so when we see fans and businesses that we work with getting something from the experience, that's, that's where we see that we're providing value. But it's also, I think, important to note that in the world of sports, which is so big, we're trying to be really purposeful and narrow. We don't do everything for everyone. We try and think through what do fans need? Examples being like, um, the the Fiesta Bowl, um, the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Um, We know that those pop-up bowl games, you know, where it's something that fans do once a year, Mm -hmm. you're very likely not the same fan as last year because unless your team is repeating in the same bowl game, you're having a new experience year over year. Not your home stadium. And so game day logistics are really critical. And so for for that chat experience, we saw 67% click-through rate on Items related to game day logistics. Where am I? Where's the parking? How do I get into the stadium? Which zone do I go into? So I think part of being successful with Chad is understanding what could be successful for which clubs, which fans, and making sure that we surface those opportunities accordingly.
4: Can you compare and contrast the spending, the level of spending Um, that sports teams are committing to your AI chat platform versus some of the consumer brands that you normally, um, that that Mm -hmm. aren't sports specific, like a Samsung, like an eBay, like a Coca-Cola?
3: Yeah. So, you know, we work with brands on both sides, right? Like retail brands and we work with sports clubs. And we do see that the KPIs are different and the teams are different um, at those different organizations. And so, You know, while there's no one size fits all, again, even approach to pricing, um, you can imagine bigger sports teams have bigger upsides and will will spend more to make more. Um, And retail brands have really amazing performance marketing groups where they can really quickly identify exactly how much our software is worth to them and Mm. and dig in. And so I do think that, again, um, you know, there's a lot of sports clubs like we work with the USL, um, you know, essentially minor league soccer in the United States. And, you know, the Oakland Roots have an amazing team, but it's so small compared to the Warriors or, or or the Giants or other teams in the Bay Area that their budgets are going to be different. Their goals are going to be different. Um, they have less tickets to move than a bigger team with a bigger stadium. But still, um, getting 100% of opportunity is a huge goal and as meaningful to each club that we work with. That's the exciting part here.
2: It seems to me when you talk about artificial intelligence, and it always comes back now, to online gambling and people gamble all the time and AI is out there. Uh, very quickly, how do you guys merge with the online gambler?
3: Yeah, well, I, I think to that point, AI is going to be helpful in playing offense and playing defense. We're going to see it help companies make money and we're going to see it help companies save money. And a good everyone always talks about people losing their jobs and I just don't think that that's where we're heading. But a good example is gambling. I was reading a great article about a fight down in Florida where the manager walked in with a big bag full of cash and tried to place a bet on his fighter to make it more than five and a half rounds. And it was a lower weight class fight. And so, you know, there's there's some ability for somebody to coach somebody into making it those levels of, um, of, uh, of uh, way, the way through the fight. And I think that's a really difficult thing to put on, you know, a clerk who's working at a casino that just opened up their sports book a week ago. That's a great problem for AI to solve. Just match up. Who is this person? And it would quickly know with the right training, that that's that boxer's manager. And then that bet's probably not a good bet to take. Hmm. Um, and, and so when I think about, um, gambling and, and AI and sports, I certainly am looking at it like the, the cat's out of the bag. Anybody that's trying to say, sports and no gambling in the u.s you know they haven't traveled they haven't gone to europe or other parts of asia where it's such a big part of the ecosystem that it's it's too hard to kind of put it back in the bottle
2: on co-founder and ceo alex beckman alex we thank you for your time coming up next we turn to football with former nfl super bowl winning qb joe theisman you're listening to the bloomberg business of sports from bloomberg radio around the world You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Thanks for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. From my colleague, Scarlett Foo, Damien Sassauer will be back next week. We are on the brink of the Super Bowl with the AFC and NFC Championship Games headed our way this weekend. Earlier in the week, former NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion quarterback Joe Theismann Join my colleagues Tom Keane Paul Sweeney, and me on Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. We got Joe's thoughts on this weekend's games, how he thinks NIL is shaping college football, and more. Let's listen to a portion of that conversation now, starting with his career beginnings and how his origin story in football is similar to another legendary QB, Tom Brady you know it's really funny.
5: Um, I wound up getting into the game just like Tom did. I mean, you know Drew got hurt, Tom wound up going in. Terry Handwriting got hurt. I wound up going in for the last three games. And uh, when I finished off my sophomore year, I felt I felt like you know I'm validated. I belong. And that's been a thing for me all my life is when I was in high school, I was always a skinny little kid. Heck, I graduated from college 175 pounds. <laughs> Never played heavier in the National Football League than 185 for 15 years of professional football. So it's always been that little guy who couldn't do it. And it's always been a motivator for me. But when I stepped out on the football field, I think you have to believe in yourself. You can tell Joe Thisman, there's none of this Ozempic garbage. No. He's just cut and chiseled. Yep, I mean, he he's 59
6: years old and he's cut and chiseled,
7: Paul. <laughs> hey, Joe. Hey, uh, Joe. Yeah, Tom has no respect for us New Jersey people. I'm from Trenton, and uh, he's all over me all the time. But South River High School, uh, that's near East Brunswick, New Jersey, for the folks listening, right. great part of the state. Um, hey, Joe, talk to us about, before we get to like the pros and, and uh, the Super Bowl and stuff, in college, it's not the same college game when you were at Notre Dame. There's all this uh, name, image, likeness. The kids are making money these days. How do you think that's, and there's a transfer portal and everything. It's a completely right. different game than when you were at Notre Dame.
5: It's professional football yep. on, a, on a minor scale. I mean, they, they opened Pandora's box with this thing and made an absolute mess of college football. Now, you know, the, the athletes are being paid. Some of them are being paid a lot of money and they wind up sitting. What, what I think it's really doing, it's, it's, just, it's destroying the infrastructure of competition. You go someplace and you compete for a job. Well, not in college anymore. You go someplace you don't like it. You think you're really good. You're just going to go someplace else. Before this, though, parents used to dictate to colleges whether their son and or daughter was going to go there based upon who else they would sign. Yep. Now it's a question of dollars. Now now the universities are writing checks and, and it's it's really destroyed what, what we believe college football was. Hey, I'm all for progress. I, I understand this. I'm not a, a dinosaur that sits there and says, well, it should be this way. It should be that way. I'm willing to accept whatever's out there. But what they're doing right now is basically destroyed college football. How would you like to be a coach today trying to recruit uh, somebody? I can't
7: imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't know how they do it. I, I mean, I just I can't either. Yeah. I don't know how they, I mean, yeah. you, you, you recruit a kid, you coach him up, and, and then he or she leaves. Not that they don't have the prerogative to leave, but, Ah, uh, boy, that makes it difficult. All right, Joe. So let's get to the to the big boys, the professionals here. We got four solid teams here, uh, getting ready to try to get to this Super Bowl here. Um, I tell you what, it's it's a quarterback-driven league, as you well know better than anybody. We got some good quarterbacks here.
5: Oh yeah, and all four of them have a story. But I'm going to start with my favorite in this particular competition, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, Yeah. baby. (laughs) I just made somebody smile there. I know that. Hey,
2: Joe. What they've
5: been able to do, I mean, you're not talking about a football team in Detroit. You're talking about a city. You're talking about a group of people that have been so frustrated for so long, fans. Now, all of a sudden, they get to celebrate. The difference is they're not going to be at home. They're going to be on the road. Then you got Brock Purdy. You got three number one picks, and then you got Brock. You got Mr. Irrelevant and all the number ones and yet he's playing at a higher level than all of them when you look at right. statistics. We and so he's yeah. exciting. And then Pat, to me, Patrick is just phenomenal, and right. uh, Lamar, they're going to have a heck of a shootout.
6: This is great. We interrupt this program to bring in Michael Barr of Bloomberg Business of Sports, with a in <laughs> acquaintance with Honolulu Blue. Mr. Barr and Mr.
2: Theismann. See, you know, with Tom and Paul and Lisa, they have class, but uh, you know me. I'm like that dog that's happy to see you when you get in. <laughs> what it is, man. How are you? <laughs> Good, Michael. <laughs> it's great. I'll tell you, it's,
5: it's exciting. I mean, we used to, I never lost to the Detroit Lions, just so you know, when we played, all the years. We we just had this run, and Detroit would get so close. And I was fortunate enough to go into the College Football Hall of Fame with Barry Sanders, whom I wow. respect wow. tremendously. Good. It's great that that statue was there to honor him and what his accomplishments were. But I think he just got frustrated and tired. I mean, sooner or later, you just get tired of losing. We're facing it now here in Washington. Our fans are frustrated as can be. Well now, a, well,
7: well now you got a now you got a real owner so hopefully things are on the up uh, move there. Hey Joe, Chiefs Ravens. I, I mean Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Does it get any better than that? Who would you
5: who would you pick between those two? You know, I, I, well Baltimore's favored by three, which basically means if the home team is favored by three, it's a pick 'em. Yeah. And so they they give the home team three points if it's that close, and it is that close. You know, Patrick to me is. One of the most, the most entertaining quarterback in football, and uh, six consecutive AFC Championship games with Andy. That's all you need to know. And you can't, you can't talk about Patrick Mahomes unless you talk about Andy Reid in the same breath. To be honest with you, and and Lamar Jackson. See, Lamar has a unique throwing style. Lamar is a unique athlete, and now he's developed into one heck of a quarterback. And because of the uniqueness of his throwing style, uh-huh. everybody doesn't look at him as a classic quarterback. We, he is. And he's a darn good one. And he's going to be the MVP of the league, by the way, too. Michael Bart, jump in here. One more
2: question. Well, let let me ask one more question. This this I am being serious about. This whole past season, there have been, let's just call it, a lot of blown calls by the referees. What in the world can we do about this to fix it? I think one thing we
5: can do, and uh, Bill Belichick has pounded the table on this forever, we should be able, as coaches, if you're a coach, You still only have two challenges, but you can challenge every play. Right now, there's a menu of things you can and cannot challenge. I think they ought to throw the menu out, start over, and do exactly what you need to do. Allow the opportunity to correct the egregious errors that we've seen. And and they've been obvious. It's like guys getting tackled going down the field, no flag. Um, Guys jumping off sides, no flag. But I really think that if you allowed, I don't want to give the coaches any more – I'm not going to slow the game down. I'm not going to stop the game, but I am going to give them the opportunity to challenge plays when and if they want to, any play that's out there. I I think that's a a great place to start.
6: Yeah. Joe Theismann, this is for all of the parents that listen to us. They're worried about economics, finance, and investment, but they got kids at home. How to be a champion every day. Tell the parents listening, tell them what they do in the jockocracy of America and every sport where kids are playing 24/7, and they're not going to make the big time of Notre Dame and the Washington Redskins speak on the jackocracy that we have in America.
5: I I think first of all, athletics is such uh, an essential part of the growth of young people. I wrote the book basically based on the fact that the world of sports, the world of business and our own lives all parallel one another. I know the foundation of what I became as a person started with my pop Warner football coaches to be able to understand how to rely on somebody else. There's the obviously the nutritional part of it because you have to watch your weight or you have to take care of yourself. Then there's the mental side of it because you have to learn the plays. Then you have to rely on that person next to you. That's called teamwork. You set out for a goal. That's goals that you want to accomplish. The coaches will teach them the right kind of attitude to be able to care about one another and also care about the opponent. And we've made great strides in youth athletics as far as protection goes. Uh, You know, I see one state in particular is trying to outlaw, tackle football. To me, you learn so much about life, being part of that team, being part of that group, understanding how to deal with defeat as well as victory. I mean, there's so many different elements of youth athletics that is so important. And sure, we have concerns about young people getting hurt. And I recommend this to or those that are involved in soccer and or football, the two that sports. And really, I think softball is another one that people don't talk about, is every young person should get a baseline. When you you start playing football and they start playing tackle football, do a baseline to make sure that there isn't some type of a susceptibility to injury, to head injuries. So at least give them a foundation to work on. If something does happen, you go look at it.
7: Hey, Joe, uh, before we let you go, we're all getting geared up for this big playoff weekend, but it's also the time of year where coaches are flying around all over the place. And this year, yeah. boy, Bill Belichick, where would the all-time great coach, where do you think he's going to end up?
5: I i don't know anything. People will say I do, but I don't. Um, <laughs> okay. It would still be in New England if his quarterback had a chance to play decent football. So, you know, poor Mac Jones. Mac looks scared. Yep. Joe I, Thuisen, and he literally looked scared half the scared half the
6: time. Uh Joe Tyson, we've got 30 seconds left. Obviously, your Super Bowl pick, please, sir.
5: I like the uh, I like San Francisco and the Ravens oh, to be in the Super Bowl. Okay. And I think Lamar Jackson is an MVP, and I think he'll carry the Baltimore okay. Ravens to a chance. You,
6: you didn't say the Lions. Next time, we're this down. <laughs> just, just truncate this
5: down. You know what? If the Lions were at home. I might think differently. <laughs> Joe Thaisen,
6: thank you, thank you so much, Michael Barr, uh, Paul Sweeney, and Tom Keane, Lisa Mateo, with uh, truly one of America's most important uh, people. I didn't. You know, there's so many other ways to go with Joe Thaisen, but his book is spiritual about people that you know in his path, just made him stop and think before he moved ahead
7: yeah i mean uh it's uh, he's had obviously a you know world-class career uh coming from the great state of new jersey going to notre dame and then obviously the washington redskins and all the success he's had on and off the field
2: That's a portion of the conversation former NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion QB Joe Theismann had with me and my colleagues Tom Keene and Paul Sweeney. That was on Bloomberg surveillance, which you can catch every weekday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and streaming live on YouTube. Staying with football, another big splash in the coaching ranks. Jim Harbaugh is back in the NFL. Hired as head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He leaves Michigan after the school won the national championship a few weeks ago. Here's Harbaugh with reporters not long after that big win, talking about what he hopes his legacy at Michigan will be.
4: You know, someday, if when they throw dirt over top of me, if somebody who's eulogizing me who was on this team or one of my teammates, you know, when I was playing at Michigan, if they would simply say he was a Michigan man that would be, that
2: would, that would mean everything. Jim Harbaugh there following his big win at Michigan. He leaves the college ranks on top and that does it for this week's edition of the Bloomberg business of sports. We are here each and every week at the same time. Plus on demand on the Bloomberg business of sports podcast, subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Barr for my colleagues Scarlett Fu and Damian Sassauer. Tune in again next week for the latest stories moving big old money in the world of sports. You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.
1: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg.